I'm going to begin today by reading the verses that we're going to be talking from. This is John, the Gospel of John, the 13th chapter, and uh, the first five verses, and then verse 12 through 17. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time would come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin, and uh, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. There's a part of me that's tempted to smile every time I read these verses. And to be honest, it's not, it's not so much a smile it's a smirk. You, you all know what a smirk is, right? It's that kind of a, it's when you smile in a, in a condescending and smug kind of way. Anybody ever do that? Anybody ever smirk? Yeah. It's tempting and easy to do when I read these verses, especially knowing what else I know about this evening from what Luke wrote in his gospel in the 22nd chapter. You see, in a way, you could almost push the pause button at verse 12 in John's gospel, at the end of that verse where, where John wrote, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. If you did that, if you, if you push the pause button on the rest of what John writes, and you know, in the verses that I read a minute ago, and, and, and you went to the 22nd chapter of Luke's gospel, you discover that, that before Jesus said what he did to his disciples, about them serving each other. And before he said any of that, he led them in what we now call the Lord's Supper, uh, where that very clearly pointed to his death, what, what we're going to celebrate together in a few minutes. So he did that, all of that. That's everything they've experienced up to this point. Yet at the end of it, you discover from Luke's gospel that they're arguing with each other which one of them is the greatest. So you read what we read in John's gospel and then, and, and then add what Luke wrote in his gospel and, and you wonder to yourself, how is it possible for these guys to have missed all of what Jesus meant by everything he did and everything he said? Luke tells us, I mean, this is exactly what happened. Luke tells us that after all of this, a fight broke out between them. Which one of them, you know, as, as they were positioning themselves for greatness in the kingdom, that they were convinced Jesus Christ came 
to, to set up. In, in, in a certain sense, they, they were debating among themselves which one of them would have the greatest position in his cabinet. I mean, I kid you not, that's exactly what happened. It's like they, they missed everything that Jesus did, everything that he said that pointed to servanthood, which when I, when I read that, I look at that, that's the reason why it's so tempting for me to kind of have that, that smirk, that, that kind of a smile, and think to myself, I mean, how dumb are these guys anyway? That is until I look into my own heart. And I have to admit that I'd be right there with them, doing exactly the same thing they did. And this is true because all too often I, I, I find myself doing what they did in the daily stuff of life. Where, where, where push comes to shove, it, it becomes all about me, me first. I, I can do it in my relationship with Becky. I can do it with a neighbor. I can do it in traffic. I can do it in almost any situation. I did it the other day with uh, the person who cuts my hair. My, my appointment was at 2 o'clock. I'm there at 2 o'clock. She's still working with another client. I, I had a lot to do. And I'm very bothered. And she knows I'm bothered. I mean, no question. It's bothered. So truth be known, my smirking stops pretty fast. Anybody relate to what I'm saying? Ever been there? You ever find yourself wanting to be the greatest, to have it your way, where, where you're determined to get what you want when you want it? Refusing to be the one who takes the towel and, and serves. And, and, and like the disciples, sometimes, sometimes it becomes for you a, a fighting matter. I'm betting I'm not the only one who struggles with this. I'd I'd even put my bets on that there's some of us here today who've struggled with this this week, perhaps even this, this morning. It's likely that there's more than a few of us here today have had those times in our life when, when we need an attitude adjustment. And you might be there today. And because truth be known, most of the time you're asserting yourself to get what you want instead of of humbling yourself and serving others so that, so that you're giving others what they need in their lives. And if, if you're with me on this, then today's passage is right on target for you as it is for me, okay? And the real beauty of this, the real beauty of this, if we learn from it and allow it to shape who we are, it's a total win for everybody. It's a win for each one of us personally, and it's, it's a win for every person whose life we touch. And I mean, if, if there's ever a set of verses that where, where Jesus did what the title of this series points to, I'd say it's the verses we've just read. In this one act of washing the feet of each one of his disciples, Jesus shows us what our lives are to be all about. He, he gets to the crux of the matter. He, he peels back the layer of any bit of pretense and self-centeredness that, that you or I might have, and he gets to the very core of the issue. The issue being your willingness to humble yourself and be the one who takes a towel and be the one who serves. I, I believe the, the big lesson in all of this comes down to two statements. Two statements. 
The way to up is down. And the way to happiness is not to seek your own happiness, but the happiness of others. And I'd say it doesn't get any better than this. It's, It's a total win for everybody. No one loses. A world of difference between no one winning and everybody losing, which is, which is exactly where the disciples were headed when they, when they were fighting with each other for greatness. I, I think this is absolutely an amazing passage of Scripture because it shows you and I, shows you and me, each one of us, how to have the greatness and the happiness that we all desire. So let's, let's, um, let's unpack this with these two statements. You want to write each one down because it's your big takeaway. So the first one is, the way to up is down. Now there's two things that that are key to why Jesus did what he did for his disciples that evening. Key to why he was willing to serve. And they're equally true for each one of us. Equally key for you and me. You know, honestly, we need them both. Because, you know what, we're, we're always going to find an excuse not to serve. It might be something like, you know, I don't do feet, you know, or, or I, I, I did it the last time. Or, or maybe like Peter and John, who Jesus sent off to find the room they met in that night, it, it'd be very easy for us to say, you know, like, for those two men to have said, well, we found the room, so we don't have to do the feet, you know. Or it might be, it could even be saying, well, I, I did feet for years. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a rest now. I'm not going to do feet anymore. You know, let somebody younger come along and, and, and do the feet. You know, lot, lots of different excuses that we can come up with. So let's look at this, okay? The first key is this, knowing who you are. Knowing who we are. As with everything else that Jesus models for us, he, he models this one. And and, and John brings this out in two statements. The first one in verse 1, he writes, It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And then verse 3, Jesus knew that he had come from God. There, there's two things that Jesus knew about himself. He, he knows he's the Son of God, and he knows he's the Lamb of God. So let's, let's just talk about the second of those two for a minute, all right? Now notice there it talks about the Passover feast. The Passover feast is the most significant event on the calendar for the Jewish people. It, it, it points back to their deliverance from slavery in Egypt. And, and if you're, you could go back to the book of Exodus, the Old Testament book, the 12th chapter, and and you would see there, there that God brought ten judgments upon, upon the, the, the Egyptian people to, to cast them so that they'd come to the point of letting the people of Israel leave Egypt and, and, and set them free from, from their slavery. And the final judgment was the death of the firstborn son of every family in the land that night. And, and if, you, if you know the story that uh, the, the only way that, that the Jewish people would be spared from that is if they sacrificed a lamb, a lamb without any imperfection. And they took the blood of that lamb and, and they put it on the door frames of their house at the top and at the bottom. And then, and then when the angel of God passed over the land, he, he would see the blood on, on, on the door frames of their houses and, and the firstborn son of, of, of that family would be spared. They were to do this the night that it happened. 
And they were to do it every year after as an act of worship to God, to remember and thank God for his grace in their lives. Now, Jesus knew that every one of those Passover lambs pointed to him as the ultimate lamb of God who would come to this earth and take away the sin of the world, your sin and mine. And he knew this, and that's why he did what he did with the disciples that evening. You see, when he leaves his place of honor at the table, and he takes off his outer clothing, and he takes a towel, and he, and he gets down on the floor, and he washes the feet of each one of the disciples. When he does what only the most menial of slaves would do, he's doing what he already did in an infinitely greater way as the eternal Son of God. The Bible tells us that though he was God, though he lived in eternity, Though he was so great that the highest heaven could not contain him, though he's the creator and the sustainer of the universe, this great God left the glory of all of this. And he came down from the presence of his eternal Father, and, and he became one with us in our humanity, all to make it possible for him to die for our sin and spare us from God's judgment. Apostle Paul described it this way in in, in the second chapter of Philippians, he, he writes this. He said, your attitude should be the same as, as that of Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and, and being found in appearance as a man, he, he humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So for Jesus, taking a towel and, and getting down on the floor and washing 24 dirty feet was no big deal for him. It was totally consistent with who he knew he was, the eternal Son of God, the Lamb of God, who came to die for your sin and for my sin. Two weeks ago, and I mentioned being in Seattle, Beck and I spent a, a weekend with our daughter, Nikki, and Nikki's 100% a, a an outside person, and she, she does all of that. So anytime we're with Nikki, we're outside a lot. And so we spent a day hiking in the mountains. And, and, and this time in an area around Portland that's known for its waterfalls. And, and, and we did this even though it was raining. Okay? And anybody ever been to Seattle, you know, it rains a lot in Seattle. And, but this wasn't a summer kind of a rain. It was a, it was a winter kind of a rain, a heavy rain. And, and it was only about 50 degrees, and yet we still went hiking in the mountains. But i got to tell you, right? While hiking in heavy rain in the mountains is not something I'd want to do every time I go hiking in the mountains. There's, there, there's a unique beauty that comes with it that's worth seeing more than once. I mean, it's, it's absolutely spectacular. It's breathtaking. And as we're hiking and seeing all of this, <laughs> I have this picture in my mind of the God who created it, on his knees, 
and washing the feet of his disciples. The eternal God, Son of God who, who created everything that we were seeing, the, the towering mountains, the gigantic fir trees, the amazing waterfall, seeing him on his knees washing the dirty, smelly feet of 12 men who depended on him for every breath that they took. And by the way, if you never thought of it, the, the feet he, he was washing, they were his idea. I mean, he dreamed them up in the first place. And he's the one who's washing those, those feet. But you know what? Not a problem for Jesus because, because he knows who he is. He, he knows he's the eternal son of God. He, he didn't need anybody to be impressed with who he is. What mattered to him was to serve as the Lamb of God. <laughs> you know, everybody, one of the best things that you and I can do to stay focused and to stay on task with this whole thing of serving is to remind ourselves who we are. To have this conversation with ourselves where we say, you know what, I'm a child of God. I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to get my way. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm someone who's called to be like Jesus. I'm called to serve. So let me ask you, Facing anything in your life right now where someone, somebody needs to take the towel and serve? And not in a, not in a grudging kind of a way, but, but, but where you're really giving your best. You know, it might be with one other person. It might be with your, with your wife or your husband. It might be with, with a brother or sister. It might be with a neighbor or a co-worker or a friend or a fellow believer. It might be with several people. <laughs> and it's like a waiting game. Everybody's waiting to see who's going to give and who's going to take the towel. Everyone's got a tight grip on what they think is their right. And, and no one's willing to let go and take the towel of serving. If you're in a situation like that, you've got a great opportunity to show who you are. That you're a child of God, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you're a servant. And so, first of all, it's knowing who you are, and, and then there's knowing what you have. John wrote this about Jesus, and I highlighted the part I want us to see here. It said, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. I think we'd all agree that a person's perspective makes all the difference on, on what you do or what you don't do. Isn't that right? See, Jesus had the right perspective. You, and, and this is something you don't want to miss. Je, Jesus saw this whole deal of serving where, where he was on his knees and he's washing the feet of his disciples. He, he saw it all up against everything that was his. See, Jesus Christ was as secure as any person could possibly be. <laughs> he knew, he knew that God had put all things under his power, under his authority. And, and I think we, we, we know what all means, right? It, it means everything. Everything in this entire universe. Every bit of creation, including you and me, including every person who's ever lived, who's living today, and who's going to live in the future, we're all under the authority of Jesus Christ. 
Paul wrote it this way in the first chapter of Colossians. He, he said, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. And then the second half of those verses in Philippians 2 where after Christ died and after his resurrection, we read this, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, that was his perspective when he got on his knees. He he had a very clear vision of, of everything that was his, a 180-degree difference from the disciples who, who were selling themselves so incredibly short. You know, I thought about this. It's, you know, it's like they were thinking that this one evening in this room is, is their one shot to greatness, and, and they're not going to miss it. And what they needed to see is what Jesus saw. They, they had an eternity of greatness in front of them. This past week, I, I was reviewing my memorization in the book of Romans. And if you've been at Brookside for just a little while, you may have heard me say more than once that the eighth chapter of Romans is absolutely my, my favorite chapter in the Bible. It's it's so filled with hope and promise and it emphasizes that there's no condemnation in Christ and, and that, that nothing can ever possibly separate us from the love of God. I mean, I just love every part of that chapter, including these verses about us being God's children. L look at this. It says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Daddy. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And, and now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I have to tell you, okay, God really got me on this one this week. So many times when I've, when I've, you know, repeated these verses to myself, I've, I've always got stuck on the suffering part, you know, where I've, I've said to myself, you know, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I can do that. You know, that, oh, that suffering thing just kind of overwhelms me. And, and, and this week, God must have had enough of my internal pushback. Because it's like he said to me, boy, Steve, get the right perspective. Your focus is all wrong, son. Get your eyes off the suffering and, and, and get them on what's yours forever, the glory of heaven. You know, friends, every time we refuse to take the towel and serve, we're selling ourselves short. We're thinking that we've got this one opportunity for greatness and, 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 and we're going to lose it if we serve. We, we cling so tightly to our self-centered selfishness. No. Listen, everybody, we've got all of eternity for greatness. I mean, there's no need for us to fight for it now. 
You know, here's the deal. Jesus doing this act of service for his disciples is, is like a billionaire giving $100 to another person. It's, it's impossible for him to end up having less. It's such a little deal up against everything that's his. And the same is true for you and the same is true for me. We can't ever lose by serving. We're, ne we're never going to lose. We're, we're eternally rich. We're all spiritual billionaires. It's, it's impossible for us to end up ha having less. Serving now is such a little deal up against everything that's ours. So the first thing Jesus teaches us here is the way to up is down. The second thing he teaches is, is that the way to happiness is, is, is not to seek your own happiness, but the happiness of others, which is really what Jesus Christ was all about. He did what he did because of his love for the disciples. John wrote this in, in, in the very first verse of that 13th chapter. He, he said, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. See, here's the thing we got to know is that Jesus, as he looked around those, that room and he saw 24 dirty feet, and he thought about washing those feet, he didn't wash them just to get it done, to get it over. He washed those feet because he loved each one of those men. You know, I, I just thought about, imagine what it was like for these guys to, to have Jesus Christ take each one of their feet, to take one foot and then the other foot, and, and to wash those feet. I, I, I cannot help but believe that he did it with such tenderness, and he did it with such care, that there would be absolutely no mistake for those guys that Jesus Christ washing their feet, he was doing it because he loved them so very, very much. You know, this is really getting to the crux of the matter, isn't it? It's what motivated him more than anything else to wash the feet of his disciples. It's what motivated him to give up the glory of heaven and come to this earth and to become one with us in our humanity, to die for us. It was his love for them, and it was his love for you, and his love for, for me. And it gave him immeasurable joy. I love the way that the writer of Hebrews said it in the 12th chapter. He's, he writes, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And boy, don't ever misunderstand what it means by joy. It wasn't, wasn't the joy that, oh, now I get to sit back down on my throne again and be God and be over all of this. That wasn't the joy. The joy was seeing you and I redeemed eternally. It was a joy of anticipating the day when we would someday be with him in the presence of heaven and know that we were going to be with him forever. That's the joy that he had in front of him. And so John writes this, beginning in verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. 
You call me teacher and Lord, and, and, and rightly so, for that's what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And then he said this, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Do you know what the other word for blessed is? Happy. Happy. It's happiness. Wow, if, there, if there's anything people are looking for in our world today, always have been looking for it, it's unhappiness. And, and so often what happens is, is when somebody is unhappy, what they're doing is, they, very often the natural thing to do is to see what they can do for themselves so that they will be happy. And you know, the sad part, thing about that is that they're just going about it the, totally the opposite way you want to go to, to have happiness. It's, it's not looking at yourself. It's not focusing on yourself. It's, it's focusing on others. For the disciples that evening, it was right in front of them. Right in front of them, but they didn't see it. It's found in serving. It's, it's serving, doing it in love, doing it to bring joy into the life of, of the person that you're serving. Oh. So here's what to do if you want happiness. If you, if you want lasting happiness that, that doesn't depend on how much things go your way, here's what to do, everybody. Make the sight of Jesus Christ kneeling at your feet, your feet. Something you don't deserve, something beyond all hope. Make this the center of who you are. Make this the vortex of your life. Let it be the thing around which everything else revolves. Make this the thing that gives your life meaning. Do that and you'll experience one joy after another. You will be filled to overflowing with happiness. And you'll bring happiness to so many other people. Becky and I had the privilege Wednesday evening at D6 to sit with Jeff Dart and ask him, have him, he asked us a number of questions about our marriage. We're in our 42nd year right now. And I, I, I love Beck's answer to Jeff's last question that he asked, the last of his questions. And the question was this. If you could say one parting thing to a group of young parents, what would you say? I love Becky's answer. I'm, I'm a lucky guy, married to a smart woman. Yeah. Here's what she said. And I, I would say write this down. This is, this is man, this is worth, worth writing down. There are a lot of things that don't really matter. Okay? There are a lot of things that don't really matter. But the things that matter really do matter. What Jesus did for his disciples that evening, it really matters. It really matters. I know that's true because 
Uh, you can read through the Bible from beginning to end, and you'll see over and over and over again how much it really matters to God that you're willing, that I'm willing to take the towel and serve. See, in God's eyes, this is true greatness, true greatness. And the more we're willing to do this now, the more we're willing to do this now during the, during the years we have on this earth, the more we're willing to do it now, the greater we'll be in eternity forever. Forever. Well, you know, maybe you're, you're sitting here today and you're saying, man, I, got any ideas, Steve, for how I might do this? Let me tell you a little story here. I'm, I'm in our staff meeting on, on, on uh, Tuesday. And at the end of the staff meeting, uh, Becky actually asked a question. She said, Steve, are you going to be doing a, a sermon on serving anytime soon? And I looked ahead, and I didn't look at this week. I looked ahead. Can you believe I did this? I said, boy, I don't think so. You know? And, uh, and I mean, really, I just, just how, how can you do that, you know? And, and um, she said, well, you know what? It, it, um, I, I was just wondering because... Uh, we, we could, we're at a point right now we could probably have a few more people serving in our host ministry. And I don't know if you're, you know, familiar with that. By the way, next meeting I went into, we're looking at a service programming team, and we're looking, and one of the guys said, Steve, you're doing you're, you're a sermon on serving this Sunday. I mean, I had the sermon all done already. You know, it's like, where was I? But, 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 it, but you know, host ministry is... One of, one of the reasons a lot of people coming to Brookside think this is a very welcoming place. But, you know, one of the things, and it, it's a deal where you serve one Sunday a month. And, but you know, you know what I've heard every once in a while is, I do that, but I don't like the blue shirts, you know. And so I, I would say, you know what, that blue shirt is like taking the towel, you know. It's like taking the towel. Okay. Well, then, then Beth Jansen, who, who, you know, if you're a young parent, you've been down there and brought your children down to that area. She said, boy, Steve, uh, you know, she said, I, would, I wish you'd say something to young parents this morning because she said, I've actually had young parents say, I don't do nursery. You know, like, I don't do feet. I don't do nursery. So I think of, you know, maybe a diaper is like a towel. Take a, take a diaper, you know, and, and, and serve a nursery. Great opportunity to serve, okay? So we don't wait. I, this wasn't anything planned as part of this sermon, but what you might do is pull out one of the information card and write your name down, your phone number, and write nursery or host ministry. I mean, it's just one idea of one way to serve, okay? Okay, we're going to, I'm going to ask our hosts if they come forward and um, we'll distribute the bread and the cup. And by the way, if you're new here, uh, you want to reach down deep, take two cups that are just kind of stuck together, bread's in one and, and um, the juice is in the other. And um, if you're a follower of Christ, our communion's open to you, you know, uh, every one of us who are followers of Christ. So we'll let you do that, and we're going to put some, our scripture up on the screen, and you can meditate on that as we, um, as we share in communion this morning, okay?